Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most biased podcast network. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Hello, Fighters. I'm video editor and satire nuisance boy Dylan Bain. Welcome to News Fighters for today, April the 22nd, 2021. Not a very funny episode this week, you know, for a change. As I'm looking at the depressing COVID situation spiraling out of control, for our Northern Cousins up in Canada. Stick around. Later on, my interview guest is Jonathan Goldsby, news editor from the news website Canada Land. Now, for those of you listening overseas, we've been very spoiled in Australia recently in regards to COVID, as uh, we've largely contained it to within our hotel quarantine system, uh, with only the odd case popping up in the community here and there. The first local COVID case after 55 days of a virus-free community. For the first time in nine months, life looks almost normal. A raft of COVID restrictions rolled back today. Victoria has reached 28 days of no new COVID cases, effectively eliminating the deadly virus. Yes, and thanks to there being no community transmission and ubiquitous and compulsory QR code contact tracing everywhere, Things are more or less back to normal here, even if we're probably not going to get vaccinated till the end of the year at the earliest. Uh, No masks are legally required anywhere. Indoor theatre capacity is back to 100%. Nightclubs have reopened. And my gym in Sydney has been open uninterrupted since last June, which means I've gone at least, you know, once or twice since then. And with the UK and USA starting to reopen thanks to widely successful vaccination campaigns there, it might appear to us here in Australia that COVID is more or less getting under control in the entire Western world. Well, sadly, that's not the case with news like this coming out of Canada this week. Across Canada, the seven-day average for new daily cases hit an all-time high today, more than 8,680. Canada has surpassed the United States as far as cases per million people. Doctors in Ontario say their intensive care system is in danger of drowning. 
As field hospitals and treatment tents pop up in major centers. Our children's hospitals are now admitting adults as patients. And this has never happened in Ontario before. It's never happened in Canada before. It's horrifying stuff, reminiscent really of the horrific first wave that happened last year in, in Italy and New York. And it's playing out in a rich first world country famous for its socially democratic liberal values and universal health care, which has a very similar parliamentary system and population spread to us here in Australia. And you can tell it's getting super serious when it's even disrupting their national religion. The Vancouver Canucks are dealing with a growing outbreak of COVID-19, raising serious questions about the rest of the season. One week after the outbreak began, only four players on their active roster haven't caught COVID. But seriously, part of what's behind this unfolding catastrophe is the spread of highly contagious new variants from overseas in their most populous province, Ontario, home of Canada's biggest city, Toronto, where... I used to live. Where dangerous variants now account for 70% of all new cases. But as rollouts begin to accelerate, there's a crushing reality that those vaccines are too late to stop an explosive third wave driven by variants. The variants are ahead by a mile. With these deadly variants taking hold in Ontario, we simply can't be too cautious. And that guy there is the man responsible for this disaster currently happening in Ontario. Premier Doug Ford. Now, if that name seems familiar to you at all, it's because he's the brother of the former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. You might remember him. He's famous for saying this. There has been a serious accusation from the Toronto Star that I use crack cocaine. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Closely followed by saying this. Have I done drugs? Yes, I have. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. Um, probably in one of my drunken stupors. Now, no surprises, he was such a disaster as mayor that he was stripped of all his powers before sadly dying of cancer in 2016. But then, two years later, the people of Ontario went, you know what this province needs? A new political dynasty based around that crack-smoking mayor guy. And in my limited uh, looking at Doug Ford, I think I figured out uh, his appeal. He's a very conservative, folksy politician in that he says the word folks a lot. But folks, the situation is still very, very serious. And folks, I, I just can't stress this enough. You know, folks and folks. Hi, folks. 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 My friends. Friends. Guys, let's just get through this. We're all in this together. Yes, but his folksy charms haven't been cutting through lately as the province's seven-day average of cases has been topping out at around 4,000 per day and hasn't been below 1,000 cases a day since November. Uh, Ford has also been widely criticised for seeming to favour business interests over stricter health measures while trying to fight the pandemic. You know, we're, we're trying to, as I mentioned yesterday, Rob, we're trying to have this happy balance and it's, it's extremely hard. You know, I'm going to be frank, pe people are tired. I'm telling you, they're tired, they're exhausted out there, they need a little bit of fresh air. I hear it, Cynthia, every single day, uh, more than once about restaurant owners, you know, calling me up. And it, 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 it's heartbreaking. In February, scientists saw these dangerous, more contagious variants on the horizon. And instead of staying locked down, as the scientists wanted, Doug Ford instead pushed to reopen the economy because, you know, his buddy owns a restaurant. Tonight, top doctors in Canadian COVID hotspots plead, keep us locked down. But with variants of concern in the community, some on the front lines fear the reopening is coming too soon. In Ontario, what we're doing is simultaneous school reopening and economic reopening 
while these variants grab a foothold in our community. When will the premier actually start listening to the hospitals, to the doctors? The premier pushed back on that criticism. It's like listening to nails on a chalkboard listening to you. And then when he does implement a lockdown, uh, like he did in January with a stay-at-home order, it was full of so many exceptions that it was just too confusing for people to follow anyway. Today, the Ontario government did release the formal stay-at-home order. It's four pages long. It contains 29 exceptions to the rule. But while the province's stay-at-home order lists more than two dozen acceptable reasons to go out, it also gives residents room to interpret what's essential. And the government has just mm-hmm. simply not defined the meaning of the word essential. What can we do, what we can't do? You know, like I've been confused since the beginning. I am not confused. Essential means you have food, you have air to breathe, you have the drugs that you need. Yes, but turns out not all the drugs you need. Ontario's famous weed dispensaries were deemed to be essential and then were reclassified as non-essential. I mean, oh. Please don't make things any more confusing for hipster Toronto stoners than it already is. I mean, uh, they're all still coming to terms with the broken social scene hiatus of 10 years ago. All this confusion over what's essential and what isn't essential uh, reminds me a lot of uh, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison last March when he he couldn't define what was essential except to say, um, uh, yeah, maybe maybe, uh, maybe jigsaw puzzles for the kids. Sure. I'll give you an example. Uh, our kids are at home now. Um, as are most kids, and uh, Jenny won out yesterday and bought them a whole bunch of jigsaw puzzles. I can assure you over the next few months we're going to consider those jigsaw puzzles absolutely essential. Yes, thank God Scott Morrison hasn't had any real power because he's always sounded very Fordian trying to open things up even when it wasn't safe to do so. You don't protect your economy by continually shutting things down. Australia was not meant to be closed. Australia was meant to be open. What success is, is that we live alongside the virus. We deal with the challenges that come along. We keep opening up the economy. Okay, so back to Ontario to try and clear up any confusion over that uh, stay-at-home order in January, Doug Ford issued a video of himself saying stay-at-home in multiple butchered languages that felt like a bad TikTok video comedy sketch. Hi, folks. There's one thing that's uniting all of us in Ontario, and that is stay at home. Reste à la maison. Taizai jolly. Low fun. High okay. Stare à casa. Woof. Jeez, I haven't heard French that mangled since our former Prime Minister Tony Abbott tried to speak it to school kids. Je m'appelle, uh, vous appelle Louise. I'm just trying to remember my schoolboy French. <laughs> so, how is this virus spreading if people can only leave their houses for one of 29 exceptions? Well, it turns out it's mostly spreading amongst essential workers. Toronto Public Health data shows over 60% of workplace outbreaks have been in industrial settings like food processing and warehouses. An Amazon Canada facility in Brampton, Ontario, has been brought to a standstill by an outbreak of COVID-19. Hundreds of employees have tested positive in recent weeks. While few people advocate shutting down the these facilities fully. Many say a problem is that people are coming to work sick, fearing the loss of wages or their job. So all the experts are saying the single biggest thing that could save lives and stop the spread right now is easily accessible, mandated paid sick leave from the province. Something Doug Ford is strongly against, probably because 
his buddy owns a restaurant. Intensive care doctor Kwajo Karamantang is one of many calling for the province to provide paid sick leave, saying for lots of essential workers, no sick leave protection means they're not likely to get tested. Often th- these groups are, have multi-generational homes. Premier consistently calls for Ontarians to take personal responsibility, but he is, I think, not taking responsibility himself in asking Ontarians to stay at home, but not implementing the supports that uh, they need to stay healthy. In response to all these calls for sick leave this week, Doug Ford instead decided to step up and close kids' playgrounds. Outdoor recreation amenities like golf courses, basketball courts, soccer fields, and playgrounds will also all be closed. Even provincial advisors pointedly declared inconsistent policies with no clear link to scientific evidence are ineffective. In some ways, parks have come to symbolize what critics call the disconnect between what public health experts have recommended and what the Ford government has done. And if all these containment measures weren't botched enough, then there's the vaccine rollout. Doug Ford is rejecting suggestions that people in his province are confused about how best to get vaccinated. There are those who are complaining that it is disorganized, hard to figure out. In addition to eligibility questions, many are still wondering how to even go about booking a shot. Yeah, when you consider the different ways there are to book an appointment. Yes, there is a main provincial portal which works for some people in some parts of the province of some ages. But if you're at least 55 and you go through a pharmacy, you book through them directly. In some cases, pharmacies are allowing people just to show up and get a shot on the spot. Separately separately from all that, uh, some hospital networks are allowing people of certain ages to pre-register when booking will be made available to them and in other parts of the province the the government is telling people not to book in advance just to show up when the clinic comes to them so yes it can get confusing adrian true fact i checked and to book a vaccine appointment in ontario you literally have to ring around pharmacies on the telephone like you're organizing a dinner party in 1987. so faced with this constant onslaught of confusion and criticism Doug Ford has resorted to his default position, blaming absolutely everybody else. This week, it was Justin Trudeau and the federal government for the vaccines. Would we be in this position if we were getting 300,000 vaccines back in February, like the rest of the world? The answer is absolutely not. The feds need to get us vaccines, bottom line. And in March, he blamed young people for being on the street. And I, I got a message to the young folks. Guys, this this party's uh, not over, you know what I mean? So I, I just can't stress it enough. I've, you know, you go down the street and uh, and especially in Toronto, you just can't. Guys, we got to watch it. This is, this is serious. So please follow the guidelines. I mean, the only person who should get in trouble for their behavior on the street is Billy Eichner. Miss for a dollar. True or false? True or false? Say it. Say it. Say it. And when he doesn't know who to blame, he just pleads and points blame at everyone else for not following his vague and disjointed guidelines that aren't really enforced and everyone finds too confusing to follow anyway. Please, please, just follow the protocols. Guys, get it together, because we're at a critical stage. I can't stress this enough. Please follow the the, the protocols. You, you go by the parks, and it is, it's like business as usual. I I just don't, I don't understand it. I've been up here ringing the alarm bells. You think after all this, he might finally 
take some responsibility and blame himself. But no, in January, he found the perfect alibi. Only one thing is truly at fault, and that's the virus. But thankfully, the ever-polite and nice people of Ontario are finally starting to hold Doug Ford to account and blame him for his complete and utter mismanagement of this pandemic so far. Calls for Doug Ford to resign grow after a tumultuous weekend in Ontario politics. I am calling on Doug Ford to do the honourable and right thing, to recognise his own limitations and to resign. Look, the province is going to a hell in a handbasket. Do you think the pace of the province's response to the third wave has cost lives? At this point in time, there's... Uh, absolutely uh, nothing that would allow me to conclude otherwise. I love that even when they're incredibly pissed off, Canadians still manage to sound delightful. Look, the province is going to a hell in a handbasket. All right, look, Doug Ford might be a Trumpian idiot out of his depth who can't communicate clearly, prioritise business and his donors over the health of his constituents, doesn't seem to be able to grasp what the term exponential growth means, and really hasn't been held to account for his chronic mismanagement of this pandemic that's resulted in the deaths of 7,000 Ontarians, as well as mass unemployment, endless lockdowns, and the closure of countless businesses. But hopefully, when he faces the voters next year at the polls, the people of Ontario won't... Stay at home. Restez à la maison. Alright, now that's just my dumbass view of Doug Ford from thousands of kilometres away on the other side of the world. But uh, coming up, I have an actual Doug Ford expert on the ground in Toronto. Stay tuned. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, now on News Fighters, joining me all the way from Toronto, Canada, is uh, Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at the news website Canada Land and host of the monthly Doug Ford podcast, Wag the Doug. Jonathan, thanks for being with us from all the way over there, uh, late at night over there, early in the morning. Oh, here. Thanks for having me. I guess, uh, just for a bit of background, though, uh, how, did, how did Doug Ford get elected? What was his appeal? I mean... <sighs> 
there are a lot of different layers you can break it down. And sometimes it really is just as simple as a few things that get can get people can get politicians pretty far in any given circumstance, which is to say uh, he has charisma and a willingness to lie. And any political candidate, when you know they're completely willing to untether themselves from any responsibility to reality, not surprisingly, has an advantage over candidates who feel some sort of, you know, responsibility, uh, you know, whether it's ethical or moral or what, to you know reflect how the world actually is. And you know, when you when you're willing to say anything, and in his, or in his case, just not even release a platform. Form, um, like it, it's not surprising that uh, you can get elected. Um, he had name recognition. He had profile. The previous leader of the so the for but fifteen years in Ontario, the Liberals, which was the centrist party mm-hmm. here, was in power. They did they swung sort of they did some good things and not great so great things, but they were deeply unpopular by the end of their by at the end of fifteen years, as any party that's in power yeah. for that long is. Uh, there the. Progressive conservatives, their uh, the the official opposition. They had a leader who, uh, just several months, six months before the election, five months before the election, collapsed in a a, a, a Me Too scandal, essentially, uh, spectacularly collapsed, calling which required them to hold a snap leadership election. And Doug Ford, who had had a profile from being a city council, one-term Toronto city councilor, and the brother of Mayor Rob Ford, and who at the time had been expressing interest in running for Toronto mayor for a second time, decided to throw his hat in the ring for the leadership of the party, which he narrowly won. Uh, so he basically just won because of voter fatigue with the other party, essentially. Yes. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And as someone who uh, covers um, Doug Ford regularly, are you at all frustrated by the media not really holding him to account? Because from an Australian perspective, we both have similar media landscapes. We both have a national broadcaster. But it honestly feels like um, the Canadian media is not really... I mean, they've just started to recently, but they're not really holding Doug Ford to account, especially over the pandemic failures. Yeah. I mean, I think the reporters have gotten a lot, the reporters themselves have gotten a lot better. And I feel like we also have to distinguish between, in this case, I mean, they're all kind of different types of journalists, but reporters mm-hmm. from columnists. I think reporters have uh, have gotten a lot better at, over the course of him as premier. I really have better understanding of what they're working with and how to approach it and how to report in a hard-hitting way. It wasn't so great at the beginning, but it's definitely improved as one would hope. Mm. Uh, although, I mean, one of the things at the effects of the pandemic is because go, you know, attend press conferences, uh, they are at the mercy of the premier's media relations director and or press secretary, just in terms of having access to be able to ask a question during a press conference. So for a long time, he was holding daily press conferences. Now they're every once in a while. But they have to, everyone has to call in on a phone line. And, you know, the, the premier's office had this, yep. you know, basic lie that it was some sort of first come, first serve. But it was very evident to everyone that they were just picking and choosing who they wanted to ask, who they wanted yep. to ask questions. I've, I've seen With, this very, very different to a typical media scrum where people yell out questions. It's very exactly. much they, they're selecting the, the journalists by the, by the looks of it. Next question comes from Mike Crawley at CBC News. Please go ahead. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, Premier. Um, thanks very much. I'm fine. Thank you. Hope you're well. Um, can you explain uh, the... And for, had all kinds of effects in terms of their ability to hold them to account. And then the other side with columnists, it's been terrible. It's, I mean, it's once again, like very, very recently, it's gotten a bit better, but no one or so few of them have really 
tempted to look at it or look at him or look at his behavior in any sort of context uh, other than frankly, just comparing him to the States and saying, well, it could be worse. Yeah. And, and once again, like now that the States is in many respects doing better, uh, it's, it's caused this, it's caused this crisis. People see what it could be. And they also see how the ways he's mismanaged it. There are some, so many specific things, um, like so in Australia, for example, it mm-hmm. appears that it's a thing federally across the country that everyone has 10 paid sick days from work uh, every full yes. time. That, that's correct. Uh, we, st- so- we, st- we, still, we still have the same problems you guys have with yeah. um, uh, a lack of any sick leave for uh, low paid workers and especially gig oh, economy do? workers. Okay. That is an issue. Uh, but And uh, the federal government finally instituted paid pandemic leave and a lot of the states mm. did. Um, but uh, by the state, by the time they finally got around to it, um, uh, we had the okay. pandemic under control. But we also had—I uh, understand you guys had had curb. We had a thing called JobKeeper, and it sounds like you 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 mm. have had a, a an income replacement kind of thing that sounds better better and more accessible than ours. Yeah, yeah. The federal government has done an okay job. It's, it could be a lot better, but yeah, they had in terms of income replacement things. Mm. Um, the big issue in Ontario is that there has there is no paid sick leave. Yes. Doug Ford got rid of that when he got in. Exactly. The previous yeah, yeah. liberal government, I mean, they had 15 years to institute it. And at the end, they eventually put in two paid days per person. So when Doug Ford came in, he's got rid of those. And that's been something that's been asked about for over a year now, since the very beginning of the pandemic. Like, why did you get rid of that? Can't you reinstitute it? And he doesn't seem to understand what it is, let alone why it might be helpful. Yes. And it's deeply, deeply frustrating. It's probably the single biggest thing that, well, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest things. The single biggest thing he hasn't even entertained. And then the other biggest thing is simply the fact that he's been impatient with lockdowns and consistently reopened too quickly and against all medical advice. It's. I mean, that in that respect, it's pretty much what it's pretty much what you would guess. It's that maybe it's a larger issue with conservatism, or maybe some something as a part of a personality trait. But just this inability to conceive of the idea that, well, yes, if you're locked down a bit longer now, that means you won't have to be locked down for as long later. Yes, that a little little bit of sacrifice now will save a lot worse later. And he's he's perceived as being pro business, yes. but. Uh, that's yes. and he's in the longer term hurting business because the lockdowns are going for longer, correct? By opening up absolutely. earlier and earlier. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. And there's the flank of his party, uh, of his supporters that don't, you know, hate lockdowns altogether. And certainly, uh, for example, the Sun, which is the tabloid paper here, is has been, you know, opposing all manner of lockdowns and giving him pressure on that from that side. And so I think he thinks he's navigated some sort of middle, sort of middle path, but in reality, it's obviously been mind-bogglingly inadequate yeah when you're fighting against a virus which uh spreads exponentially i think in australia we've learned there is no middle path so uh, i think one of the differences i'm seeing between canada Mm -hmm. and australia is australia uh i don't know if you had had anything similar to this we've had a thing called federal cabinet where at the moment they're meeting twice a week the prime minister and all the premiers uh, Mm -hmm. meet and reach a consensus on what to do what that's meant is is whether you're a conservative or whether you're a a left-wing premier um they've all been on the same page in regards to uh, lockdowns and border closures and and that kind and leave and that kind of thing. So you have 
the the right wing uh, premiers have said have adopted very left wing policies like mm. uh, free childcare and a bunch of other things during the pandemic to get us through. Um, which they would never do. And they've said, look, now's not the time to be political. Whereas it sounds like uh, Doug Ford is very much sticking to his political guns and will not institute paid sick leave um, and things like that, which must be very maddening for you guys over there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, to my knowledge, there's no regular communication. There's no regular structured communication between the provinces and the, and the federal government akin to that at all. Right. You know, they've met here and there. So and it's every province for themselves then, pretty much. Doing that's whatever kind of what it's been. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, federal government's responsible for procuring vaccines. The provinces are responsible for getting them into arms. Same here. The... Um, Basically, so yeah, so far it's basically been allocated across the country to different provinces and territories based on per population. So per capita, basically you get in this is many for this many people you have. The CMA, the Canadian Medical Association, called on the federal government to reallocate those, take them away from stop doing it per capita, give it to the places that need it most. And the federal government basically shrugged that off. And what I took from the, the prime minister's response was basically he does not want to risk like alienating those provinces and alienating those premiers. Like they basically, he said, we've had these discussions, all the provinces, all these premiers, we've agreed on this. And what I took from it is that that's something he does not want to reopen that maybe mm-hmm. he can't even believe they got an agreement in the first place. There is comp- there is basically competition between the provinces uh, for resources it's at the point where the premier of Ontario is sort of sort of asking other provinces for things. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of a mess. Yeah, there is no coordination in that regard. The provincial governments are largely controlled by conservative parties of varying degrees. Federal government's liberal. Doug Ford was playing nice with the federal government this time last year. Just by saying nice things about them, he was able to get good press around that. But for the past few months, his only strategy has been to blame the liberals, the federal government, for uh, bungling the vaccine procurement, which doesn't really seem to have been the case. Like, I'm sure it could have been better, but Canada's doing better than like most other places in the world in terms of vaccine procurement. And even if we had as many vaccines as the states, that probably wouldn't have averted a third wave. But you, and you are doing better than than us with the vaccines. I saw you guys just got, I think, eight million Pfizer doses in the next three months. We're not getting Pfizer till the end of the year, so it's looking like we're not going to be vaccinated till the end of oh, the wow. year. So we are we're very much um, behind on that front. And then, what's been the attitude to to Trudeau? It feels like he's just standing on the sidelines while the provinces run amok. Is that more or less what's happening? Are people begging for him to have some leadership here? Or is there nothing he can do really? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is, I mean there's, I mean there's always more he could do, and they just released a budget yesterday that has some, you know, good stuff in it, and I'm sure there's always more that he can do. But I guess the big issue is that the the biggest sites of transmission are workplaces, and mm. the overwhelming majority of workplaces in Canada are controlled by their by the provincial governments uh, or by the provinces that they're in. Mm. So the provinces oversee and regulate almost every type of employment. Uh, and almost every type of industry, uh, only employment standards are only set federally for things that affect the whole country, like telecommunications or airlines yep. or, or railroad railways. So the big decisions around how do you treat, how do you, what the things you have to do to minimize workplace transmission are largely federal, or sorry, largely provincial decisions and provincial steps that the province has to take, uh, and they 
they pretty much haven't. The province also, of course, controls schools, and uh, that also has been a, uh, a disaster, although we haven't we've quite fully yet know the degree to which this is, the, those are sites of transmission, but it, that's a whole other mess. What's been the most, throughout the whole pandemic, what's been the most shocking um, revelation about Fordham, a shocking thing he's done or decision he's made? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Well, okay. So, I mean, last week, um, you know, he, he made a big deal. You know, he you know, claimed that he was basically out of options and doesn't really know what to do, even mm. though he's, you know, has the option in front of him and doesn't know what they were going to take. And so uh, they decided to give police powers to randomly stop people and ask them where they're going. Mm. And to, whether you're walking or pulling in a car to basically just randomly harass people. And I mean, you know, and just, and conduct random stops and police forces pretty quickly said we're we're not going to do that that's you know we have made the power now but that's not a good use of our resources mm. and people and it was just like yeah i mean they did the i mean it, i mean it's just you know, offensive on a civil liberties level but and people were and it was surprising that police forces were pretty much openly not defying it but basically rebuffing it um, but the idea that he would suddenly turn to individual actions and suddenly try to sick the police force and individuals, and clearly it's a problem of the system. And it's like if, mm. you know, facing, you know, wildfires spurred by climate catastrophe, he started to, you know, fine people for not properly rinsing their recycling. Like it's just, it's mm. so, it's not, it's so disconnected from the systems that are causing the issue. Um that um but that but that's i mean that's that's the thing that's the thing with him and that's his thing of this whole approach the whole time is it's as though it's about the actions of individuals and not about actually addressing the conditions that are allowing covid that will have allowed covid to get out of control in the first place okay and just uh, finally wrapping up a lot of people have finally uh, started calling for doug ford to resign this week including the washington post uh, what do you think is is the likely outcome from this? Will he step down? I mean, his brother Rob never stepped down from being mayor. They just stripped him of his powers. Could something similar happen here, or is he going to uh, uh, just fight it to uh, fight the next election next year? Yeah, no, it's 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 very just like his brother. It's very hard to imagine a situation in which he voluntarily leaves or office before the end of his term. I think it's hard to imagine a situation in which he's not reelected. Frankly, the, the election's about a year oh, from goodness. now. Uh, and there's a whole other re- series of reasons for that, but like most largely, once again, based on the weakness of the opposition. But I, I can't, nor can I imagine his cabinet rising up to depose him because, you know, as happens in political situations where, you know, the personality is probably, you know, has more political pull than the party brand. Hmm. Uh, very Trumpy. I don't very think Trumpian. they. Exactly. I don't mm. think uh, I don't think they would do that. I mean, I, 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 I mean, for all I mean, I guess I could check Twitter after this and see that something's happened. But like, I, I honestly don't see him going anywhere. And it's also hard for me to envision the sequence of events that would have to happen in order for him not to be to win the most seats in the next election. Um, uh, good old, good old first uh, past the post, hey? Yeah. He's, <laughs> 
exactly 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 uh jonathan um scary stuff best of luck to everyone in ontario we're all um thinking of you thinking of you guys over there and uh uh, do you want to plug uh plug uh wag the dog and whatever else you'd like to plug at your end sure yeah if any if anyone if anyone else in australia is interested uh we uh yeah wag the dog is candleland's monthly ontario politics show podcast uh that i co-host with allison smith you can find it you know apple podcast Spotify, all the places one obtains podcasts, usually comes out the, the, maybe the third week or so every month. We have a new episode out uh, this week uh, about uh, how the incumbent Progressive Conservative Party, that's to say Doug Ford's party, has been so successful at raising so much money uh, during a pandemic and how the those contributions that, he, that he's received seem to be informing uh, his government's life and death, life and death decisions. Uh, politics right. fans, I love this podcast. Anyone interested in Canada, in Canada and Ontario, it's it's fascinating stuff. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, that's News Fighters for today, the twenty second of April, twenty twenty one. News Fighters is written, presented, and produced by me, Dylan Bain. For Sans Pants Radio. A quick reminder, our regular contributor Beck Melrose has her show Absolute Goose on at the Sydney Comedy Festival this weekend, April 23rd to 25th at the Enmore Theatre. Go check it out and support some live comedy. And just a reminder to hit follow on Spotify or your podcasting apps, subscribe and like on YouTube and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's all. Keep fighting and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.